What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Texans Matchup. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Still trying to uh, get over the loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 24-21. And, you know, driving around, driving home, driving away from here, just time to think about the game. You step back and go, man, what a really exciting football game. If you're in the NFL, you're thinking, boy, those are two young quarterbacks. They're going to meet twice a year. This is really good stuff. But Texans just unable to get the win after three in a row. So they suffer their first loss at home. Unfortunately, that loss is a second division loss at home, which is kind of odd. The Texans are 1-0 and on the road in the division, which they're 4-0, and their last four on the road in the division. I think something like 5-1 and on the road the last few years in the division. At home in the division, you know, not so much. But we'll have another shot at the Titans. That'll happen a little bit later on. So, on tonight's show, we are going to look back at week 12 in the NFL with sights and sounds from everything that happened a little bit later in the show. But we're going to kick off the show with the Ultimate 11, as we always do. The Ultimate 11 plays of this weekend's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we start at number 11 with number 51, and that is Will Anderson Jr. Now, I've seen Will do this twice. Back-to-back weeks. He did it on James Conner, and he did it on Travis Etienne. Now, Conner is a little bit bigger, and Etienne is not 230 pounds like Conner. But Etienne runs hard. He is a powerful runner. Conner is more of a plow-through runner where Etienne can explode past you, but power runners both. Against Conner, Will Anderson Jr. hit him and then he started to spin out, and Will grabbed him by the jersey and just pulled him to the ground. Well, at play number 11, Will Anderson did a very similar thing to Travis Etienne. He hit him, and then he had to hang on. And when I say hang on, I don't think people understand. The jerseys that the NFL players wear are tight, tight, tight to their body. So when you see a guy just yank him down by the jersey, that dude's got grip strength, pure old man strength, and Will Anderson's got both of those. And he comes in number 11, where he's able to pull down Travis Etienne for big TFL. At the 25-yard line of Houston, first and 10. Lawrence feeds Etienne, and he's going to be dragged down for a TFL. Will Anderson Jr. getting there first. Boy, he just held on. Etienne was trying to come out of the tackle of uh, Will Anderson Jr., and he just held on until a couple of players helped. Khalil Davis helped him out. But he was not going to let ETN go. No, he was not. Will Anderson with that TFL comes in at number 11. All right, let's get to number 10. And unfortunately, I have to apply my longstanding rule whenever I do the ultimate 11 after a loss. And that is at least number 10. I have to give uh, a tip of the cap to the opponent and the opponent, Jacksonville Jaguars. And I went through and I was trying to figure out, you know, what was the most vital play for the Jaguars? Now, this play comes at the end of a bunch of them, and I'm not totally sure it should have gotten to this point. Scores 14-13. The Jaguars had gotten a drive going. Third down throw to Evan Ingram down the field. Incomplete late flag pass interference. They moved the ball down inside the 10. Another late flag interference, and eventually the Jaguars had the ball, uh, I think just outside the one-yard line, when Trevor Lawrence found Calvin Ridley 
they would score this and the two-point conversion, and that gave them a 21-14 lead. And I felt like that was kind of a that was kind of a gut punch because the Texans had answered to take the lead at the beginning of the half, 14-13. But then the Jaguars come right back and score with some help, obviously getting some pass interference and holding penalties on his drive. But they would take advantage of it. So I put this at number 10, Calvin Ridley's touchdown to take a 19-14 lead, which eventually would become a 21-14 lead. Jones to the right. ETN in the backfield. Lawrence shotgun. Third and goal at the one. Lawrence puts the leg down. He's going to throw to the back of the end zone. Wide open Ridley. Touchdown Jacksonville. You could hear the disdain in Mark's voice. Dang it. And look, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the referees and have talked about the officiating from that game on Sunday. And I will tell you this. It was not good. It was not good. It was not good on either side. There were so many things missed. I mean, Luke Farrell's long catch and run. You had Strange go down and block Christian Harris seven yards downfield. And Farrell caught the ball three yards downfield. I mean, that's the epitome of offensive pass interference. Didn't call it. Ended up being a big play for Jacksonville. So, look, there were things there were things missed on both sides um, throughout the day. And the pass interferences, I think, on that drive were so glaring because they ended up putting the Jags in position to take a touchdown lead instead of kicking a field goal and taking a two-point lead. But uh, that was the break. Sometimes you got to get them going your way, and you didn't get them on Sunday, and you have to outplay that. But I will never put the fault in the officials. You could have made some more plays like these coming up at number nine. And this is just the obligatory C.J. Stroud to tank Dell uh, fun. Just those two finding one another. The first one, the first throw of the game, C.J. finding tank for a big gain. Second one, I think early in the third quarter, finding tank again. Now, one you won't hear and hear is the one that tank makes on the sideline that should have been a catch but was overturned. And if you've seen some of the photos and still shots of it, you can see Tank's two feet on the ground with the ball in his hands, didn't juggle it, should have been a catch, was ruled a catch by the back judge, not ruled a catch by the the uh, the the up judge, who was at the line of scrimmage, line judge, excuse me. And he convinces the back judge, no, 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 you didn't see what you saw. Well, no, the back judge saw what he saw, and he was right. Um, but he got overruled, and therefore – the Texans weren't able to make advantage, take advantage of that, but they were able to take advantage of C.J. Stroud to tank Dell as they have all year long. Comes in at 9A and 9B. First down, Texans at the Houston 25. Stroud under center, Singletary in the backfield. C.J. takes the give, steps up and throws to his left. Caught at the 40-yard line by Dell. Tagged down there by Monteric Brown. First down, Texans, 15 yards. Second down and 11 at the Houston 38-yard line. Stroud shotgun, motor to his right, Nico short side right. CJ calling for the ball. Here it is in the pocket. Here's the blitz. Stroud working to the right, throwing over the middle, and he's got Dell twisted down at the 45-yard line by Brown. But what another great play. Well, I tell you tank what. Dell good for 17 yards, and they'll move the sticks. Got flushed out of the pocket. And there's that chemistry again between Dell and C.J. Stroud of just finding an area for his quarterback. All right, let's move on to number eight. And again, we've got 8A and 8B. These are two plays from the drive after Derek Stingley had come up with the interception. Texans 
We're down 13-7. to seven. Jags had a little bit of a drive going. Sting came up with the pick. And then the Texans' offense had to go to work. They had to take advantage of that pick. They would, in large part because of two plays here. First one is a throw from C.J. Stroud to Nico Collins. Motor in the backfield, Stroud in the gun. Two receivers, short side right on third and one at the Jaguar 38-yard line. Orbit motion by Dell. C.J. to throw. Over the middle he goes. Hits Nico. 20. Nico tripped up at the 15-yard line by Brown. First down in the red zone for the Houston Texans. That's a heck of a tackle by Monteric Brown because Nico's in the end zone. I mean, he just basically lays out and knocks one foot into the other. Oh, Nico was... He was upset about that. He has become so good with yards after the catch that it looked like he was going to take that one to the house. He was mad. He, I mean, I can't remember who the DB was. Just got, I mean, a shoelace. And that was just enough to knock his feet uh, and knock Nico down. But Nico need not worry because I believe it was on the very next play. You had Motor, Devin Singletary, taking this one almost on into the end zone. Got down to the one-yard line. First down at the Jaguar 15, Stroud under center, motor in the backfield, now they'll go into an offset eye formation. CJ, hands off to Singletary, running left, Singletary looking for the corner, breaks the tackle, 10-yard line, 5-yard line, motor to the 1, first and goal, Texans. Oh, the block by the big fella having one heck of a game today, Shaq Mason on the kickout block on Josh Allen, opens things up for motor to just about get in the end zone. But what a block by number 69, the right, your right guard, Shaq Mason. 8A, Nico Collins to the 15. 8B, Devin Singletary down to the 1. What happened after that? Well, you'll find out a little bit later. All right, let's get to number 7. And I always love seeing young players emerge at some point. I remember 2016. I remember DJ Reader starting to emerge as this rookie um, centerpiece in the middle of the defense next to Vince Wilfork. And you could see early on as a rookie, you know, trying to find his, his reps, trying to find his spot, it was Wilfork there. And then eventually Romeo Cornell just said, hey, I'm just going to put both y'all together and dare teams to try and run against us. And they didn't. And so, DJ, I remember that, you know, him emerging. You know, we've seen rookies do that. You know, Will Fuller did it, I mean, almost, I think it was game one. He had two touchdowns against the Chicago Bears and, uh, you just I love seeing young guys emerge, and we've seen a lot of rookies come to life in this year, and we've seen Xavier Hutchinson have moments with this team already, and it's really been fun to watch. But I feel like a big one came up in the passing game because X has gotten a lot of runs, a lot of reverses, you know, those kind of things where he's gotten the ball in his hands, and he's kind of been the pseudo Debo Samuel, ironically wearing number thirteen or number nineteen. Excuse me. This one. Came up big. Texans are down 24-14, and they got to score, and they got to score quickly. So they need some chump plays. They need explosives. And the Jaguars gave them a little bit of an opening. They were playing a cover three with three defensive backs playing thirds of the field in the, uh, in the back. But the safety, Rayshon Jenkins, was leaning one way. Like, he was not just leaning. He was almost all the way over to another side of the field. So it essentially left single coverage. If Xavier could just run the post and get into kind of that void where the safety would have been in the corner, if he can get in there and CJ can see him, man, something good could happen. And it did. Coming in at number seven, 34 massive yards 
from C.J. Stroud to Xavier Hutchinson to set them up for a touchdown that cut the lead to 24-21. to It doesn't happen without this play. It's seven. Empty backfield after motion. Second and 10 at the Houston 45. Stroud unloads downfield. Got a man. Xavier Hutchinson down at the 20-yard line as Jenkins makes the play. They'll mark him at the 21. Big play to the Cyclone. Boy, that looked like choice post right there. Seven-step post route in the run and shoot. 34 I mean, yards. He hits him right in stride before the safety can make a play. And I think that's the greatness of C.J. Stroud. The fact the safety is off a few yards. C.J.'s got arm strength. He's got accuracy. And he can put it right in a spot where it needs to so that safety doesn't get involved. And he was not able to. X held on. Big catch. Texas would score a touchdown a little bit later. You'll hear that play a little bit later. All right, let's get to number six. And I debated where I would put this. I really did because this is kind of the best of all worlds. It's actually two plays, 6A and 6B. What sets up one of the great defensive plays at NRG Stadium in a long, long time? One of the greats I, I can remember. Ten seconds left in the half. So here's the situation. The Texans are down 13-7. They attempted a field goal, missed it. It gave the Jaguars pretty good field position around the Jaguars' 40-yard line, somewhere on that area. So they, got a, they hit a play. There wasn't much. Now there's 10 seconds left. And you, you got to just, if you can knock it down, if you can just tackle them around the, you know, a short gain, you'll be okay. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen because Trevor Lawrence threw an absolute dime, dime to Christian Kirk. And then Kirk started off running towards me. Now, I'm getting ready for my halftime interview. So to do that, I have to take my headphones off. I have to shut off the broadcast so I can be ready for anything. So I'm watching Kurt go by me. And, I, and I'm only, I'm like, oh, my God, I can only imagine what Mark is thinking or doing right now making this call. So this gets the Jaguars down to the one-yard line. It's at 6A. Third down and eight Jaguars from their 42-yard line, leading 13-7, 10 seconds to go, second quarter. Lawrence. In the gun, one back. Here's the snap. Lawrence throwing deep downfield to his left, and he's got Kirk at the 20, Kirk at the 15, Kirk at the 5, and he's out of bounds. Hits the pylon. Did he step out first? They're going to mark him at the one-yard line. One second left. Oh, boy. Yeah, Trey was right. Oh, boy. What do you do now? Well, the Jaguars had a decision to make. And that decision with one second ball to one yard line was to go for it. Now, a couple of things. Earlier in the game, Trevor Lawrence had the ball about the same spot. He's 6'6". Thing about at the goal line different from being out in the field is all the ball has to do is break the plane. So if you just took your plastic man arm and just stuck it over and the ball crossed the plane, it didn't matter if somebody knocked it out. As long as it is over the line, you're good. Well, that's what he did for a touchdown earlier. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's about to be 20-7 to seven as they get a cheap touchdown and they get the ball to start the second half because he's just going to dive over the top again. Instead, they put him in shotgun. He immediately ran up to the line of scrimmage and then pitched it to Travis Etienne. And then what was oblique turned into, oh, my God, yes. When Desmond King, with some help from his defensive mates, made the stop of the year. 
First and goal inside the one, one second left. They pitch the ball to ETN running right, and he's gonna be stacked up and stopped! A gang tackle of Battle Red brings him down as we hit the half. 13-7, Houston down, what a moment. Jack's trying to punch it in from the one, can't do it. Oh, what a play, what a defensive play. Trying to spot who got there first as they pitch the ball to ETN. Desmond King. Desmond King gets there first, and the Texans come up with a goal line stand and a one-play situation to end the half. That stop was huge. There's no question. D'Amico Ryans talked about that after the game. Uh, at the end of the half, that was a really big play for us. Uh, felt the energy from the defense. Felt like that could get us some momentum, get moving there. All right, 6A, 6B, Kirk's long catch and run, and then the Desmond King battle red defensive stop to keep the Jags out, out the end zone. All right, let's get to number five. And I mentioned earlier, talking about the officiating, and look, the officiating was not good in this game. I can only imagine what they were thinking the NFL offices on some of these things. And it went both ways. It went both ways. And that was really seen at number five here. Derek Stingley Jr.'s interception. Now, he makes a great catch. And I love this play. It's, gr- it's a great catch. Doesn't get much in the return, but enough of the return uh, to get inside Jaguars territory. The Texans would score a few plays later to make it 14-13. Jalen Petrie got away with one, and, you know, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, and they got lucky because this was a blatant holding on Evan Ingram, who the intended receiver was. Ingram is flashing into the void where Lawrence is throwing the ball. So Ingram has slowed up. Because Ingram has slowed up, the ball just skates right through the sting. Well, if you watch the play it back, you can see sting is kind of like, oh, like, oh man, that just, that just got on me. Well, luckily, Sting was able to hang on. His second interception in two weeks, his second interception of the year, his second interception of Trevor Lawrence in his career, his third overall. It's at number five, Derek Stingley Jr.'s second interception of the year. Here's a second and one at the Houston 48-yard line. One back Johnson, Lawrence shotgun. Two receivers to the wide side right, stacked. Lawrence to throw over the middle. He goes. It's picked off by Stingley across the 45-50. And he gets down at the 46-yard line of Jacksonville. Wow. Derek Stingley Jr. with the pick. Second consecutive game with an INT. I'm telling you, as he's running that thing back, I am looking for a flag. I'm looking all over the place for it. I'm looking for a flag. I keep looking. I'm like, I don't see a flag. I mean, I scan the entire field. The entire film, like, how is there not a flag? Are you kidding me? That's, I think, why later in the game with the pass interference penalties on the, the very next drive, I felt like, okay, are they makeup calls or did they just miss one? But And that, that was just a miss. I, I don't know. Uh, either way, uh, Sting's interception, third of his career, second of the season, and second in back-to-back weeks. I love that development for this team. All right, let's get to number four. Massive play, down 10 to nothing. The Texans, I got to say the Texans are better with screens than they've ever been. I felt like Sunday, that was probably their C-minus effort on screens. In fact, one of the sacks that CJ took late in the game was on a screen. And that one just didn't work. But one worked massively well. 
and it's this one right here to motor. He took this one 33 yards. This is just like it's drawn up on the whiteboard. 33-yard screen, C.J. Stroud to motor, getting some great blocks in front of him. Second down and a long two across the 42-yard line of the Jags. Stroud in the gun. Singletary to his left. Two receivers stacked right. C.J. takes the snap, sets up the screen. Left side, motor across the 40, 35, cutting inside, 30, 25, still going, 20, 15, 10, and tackled inside the 10-yard Motor! Line. What a catch and run. First and goal, Texans. Nice Singletary, absolutely perfect. I mean, they block it up perfectly. Shaq Mason with a heck of a block and just created a nice little alley for a Singletary in which to run through. I mean, what a kickout block by Mason. So it comes in at number four. It comes in at number three is just a few plays later. And it's C.J. Stroud creating, I mean, in a big way. Didn't see what he liked and actually had good, good protection, but just didn't see what he liked. And eventually... You know, after five or six seconds, somebody's going to come free. So he spins away from a defender after not seeing what he likes. He gets over to the left side, and then he sees his guy, Tank Dell in the end zone, throws the ball back across his body. Tank makes the catch. This comes in at number three. Second and goal at the seven. Stroud in the gun gets the snap. Looking, looking. CJ stepping to his right now, winding back to the left side. Trying to find some time. Now throws back across his body. Caught touchdown, Tank Dell. Stroud with the amazing scramble and Dell with the TD reception. Go Cougs. You know Trey's got to get that go Cougs in there as Tank Dell scores. Here's CJ talking about the balance of scrambling, staying in the pocket, being creative, getting off platform. Let's listen to CJ talk about not only this touchdown, but just the overall thought. Of doing this during the game. Yeah, I try to do my best to keep my whole line honest, moving the pocket really well. Um, and when it's time to scramble, get some yards, try to go get some yards. And I um, feel like I try to do that as much as possible today. Got a couple good runs, but um, at times, sometimes I don't need to scramble. Um, but it, it's tough. When they're, towards the end, especially, they were dropping eight, rushing three, and they're really covering a lot of the zones, um, taking away some of the short stuff and backing up so we take away the deep stuff. So what I, my job is that try to make a play, and uh, I feel like I did that as many times as I could. Credit to those guys in Jacksonville. It's a great team. Um, they have a great defense uh, from D-line all the way to DBs to the backers. Communicate very well, and um, I mean, at the end of the day, we got to lick our chops and um, lick our wounds and understand, like, it is what it is, and we got to be better. So I got to go out there and make some more plays on my end, And um, but this isn't the end. We'll, we'll be better. Here's D'Amico Ryans after the game talking about C.J.'s ability to extend plays and that it helped on Sunday. I thought C.J. did a really good job of being able to move around and extend plays, made a couple big plays for us, one there versus Tank with Tank. Uh, they got called back, uh, unfortunate there. I thought he moved around well when he had to, took what the defense gave him. All right, let's get to number two. And I had to – boy, I, I struggled with how I was going to put this together in order. But I went with this at number two because it was a touchdown that gave the Texans possibilities versus a touchdown that gave them the lead. So I went with this at number two, down by 10, 24-14. C.J. Stroud drops to throw, moves himself into the void. He finds Nico Collins. Nico takes in the end zone, and we've got a whole new ball game in the fourth quarter. This is at number two. C.J. to Nico right now. 
Stroud with the empty backfield. Third and six at the Jacksonville 17. Two receivers left. Here's the snap. Here's Stroud looking. Stroud scrambling to the right. Dumps it off to Collins over the middle, and he walks in. Touchdown, Houston. Stroud to Nico. When you put the pressure on a defense, especially in the NFL, you're going to have some success because they're not used to that. So you've got to get to the line of scrimmage. Jacksonville's getting lined up late. Snap the football. They're out of position. That's exactly what happened there. Nico came wide open because Jacksonville was not set. Which puts us at number one. And the key being one. As in one yard. Now, this play was not designed to go as such. But when you have a quarterback that is, A, never say die, B, an absolute stud competitor, and C, willing to do what he needs to do for his team, and D, as smart a football player as we've seen, especially one this young, uh, we'll go with it. C.J. Stroud on this play was supposed to, it was designed for, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil had been eligible on this drive. He had reported to the ref each time. On this play, I remember seeing Clay Martin go over to the defense and almost to every defensive player, wiping his jer- wiping his chest as it say seventy eight is eligible, seventy eight is eligible. So he just he told everybody essentially what was going to happen. But I mean that's the ref's job. That he got right. His crew didn't get a lot right the rest of the game. Laramie has two guys draped all over him. CJ doesn't like it. Of course, he's not gonna. Put Laramie in harm's way to have to let Laramie go moss somebody in the back of the end zone, which Laramie could pro- probably do. CJ decides, you know what? I got to get out of Dodge. He does. He scores. He gives the Texans a 14-13 lead, and it is at number one. Texans down 13-7. 8.20 to go, third quarter. Third and goal at the one. I formation, Singletary, and Beck. CJ. Back to pass, runs to the right side. Stroud runs across, high-stepping. Touchdown, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Strong. Stroud runs in for the TD, and the extra point can take the lead. That is your ultimate 11 from this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's always frustrating to do that after a loss, but there's so many key plays, especially in a big game like that, and it's going back and forth. So I appreciate everybody for giving me the content. Thank you very much because that was one heck of a game. Hopefully Sundays against the Denver Broncos will be an even better game. It'll just be a win. That's what we need, no matter what. I don't care. I'd actually do a less exciting Ultimate Eleven and take a win. I'd do that. I'll take that all day long. Now, it was not less exciting in the NFL in week 12. We will recap it next right here on Texas Matchup. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Texas Matchup. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Week 13 in the NFL was, well, it's just like every other week in the NFL. Exciting games going down to the last moment. Transcendent plays. It's just been incredible. So, Let's go back and recap it. Let's get some music going so get a little vibe going. And let's talk about these games that happened over Thanksgiving weekend. So let's start on Thanksgiving Day where the Green Bay Packers started things off 
with a tremendous, tremendous performance and got a tremendous performance from Jordan Love, quarterback, first-year starter. Moving clock, 3.40 to play in the third quarter. Packers lead it 23-14. It's third down and three at the Detroit 16. Shotgun snap for Jordan Love. Right-hander looks to the end zone left side, has an open man. It's caught. A touchdown. Green Bay in the back left corner of the end zone. It's Christian Watson, the second-year receiver. And the Packers extend the lead at Ford Field, Detroit, on this Thanksgiving. It's Green Bay 29, Detroit 14, 3.30 to play in the third, and what a throw and catch. There's a great throw, but an even better adjustment from Christian Watson. I think that's at least the third one in this game, JP, where he's had to elevate and make an adjustment to the football. But that's what you want from your receivers going downfield. Ends up making a great play. He's got coverage from Jerry Jacobs all over him. But he makes a play on the football. But again, the throw from Jordan Love only to where his receiver can make a play on the ball. Jordan Love, absolutely fantastic. That touchdown right there to Christian Watson. But Jay Love, 22 of 32, 268, three touchdowns as the Packers move to 5-6 and six with a win over the 8-3 and three Detroit Lions. The middle game of Thanksgiving was, well, it was history-making because of one man, Deron Bland. It happened again. What do you mean it happened again? It happened again. Another pick six, an NFL record fifth. Here's Brad Sham calling Bland's NFL record-making pick six. Second and 10 <laughs> at the Dallas 43. Howells back, throws it. Oh, look out. Picked off. It's Bland. It's Bland. He's got one man to beat at the 20. He cuts left. He breaks the tackle at the 10. He did it again. The whole defense is going to put Bland in the kettle. That is unbelievable. That's the most pick sixes in one season in NFL history. Five touchdowns. Where did you come from? And he has six more games to play. And, hey, he may not be done in this one either. First turnover of the game. Wow. Oh. McCarthy is calling a First timeout. First timeout. Cowboys couldn't get the, the, the celebration off the field fast enough there. Second timeout. I don't, I don't think McCarthy's going to yell they're at the team, right, about They're still wor working, working over the kettle. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. This is a guy that did not have a pick six in 43 starts in college. You know you know who else is impressed? Who? Micah Parsons. Seeing him come into his own is truly special. He's having a defensive player of the year year. I mean, he should be a lock for all pro. I mean, it shouldn't be a question for the accolades. He should be picking up. Crazy. Unbelievable. And he had to make a few moves to get this one. His other ones have just been, it's been him and then the goal line. He had to beat Sam Howell and another. And he had to break about three tackles. Yeah. 63-yard 60, return. The Cowboys smashed the Commanders. It cost Jack Del Rio his job, I guess. Uh, maybe there are other things that did that. 45-10. Dak outstanding. Four touchdowns, 331 yards passing. Brandon Cooks had a touchdown. Good for Brandon Cooks. 
Tony Pollard, 13 carries, 79 yards. Cowboys move to 8-3 and three and get ready for Thursday night against the Seahawks. The nightcap was all about the Niners' offense against the Seattle Seahawks. Brandon Ayuk was quiet, well, until Brock Purdy found him for a touchdown. Second down and seven from the Seattle 28. Two receivers to the right. Purdy in the gun. He's got Mitchell to his left. check in motion to the left. Here's the snap. Purdy back, looking, looking. Throws deep down the middle for Ayuk. Makes the catch inside the five. Diving to the end zone. Touchdown 49ers. An absolute strike from Purdy to Ayuk. 28 yards. And the 49ers extend the lead. What a throw. That was right on the money. And Brandon Ayuk cashes in. So a little bit of pocket movement, rolling out to your left, throwing back to the right. Jamal Adams, safety. Quandre Diggs, safety. Julian Love, safety. All three of those guys were bracketing Ayuk, and that ball was still dropped in right in between his numbers. 31-13 up in Seattle, and it may not have even been that close. Everybody contributed to this one. McCaffrey had two touchdowns rushing. Debo had 70 catches. 79 yards, but he also had a rushing touchdown. Brock Purdy threw a touchdown, threw for 209 yards. Uh, threw 209 yards. Brandon Ayuk had a 28-yard pass. You just heard that for a touchdown. Wasn't even close. The 49ers are dominant. They are really, really good. Eight and three. And guess who the Niners have this weekend? Oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get to them in a little bit, but, man, what a victory for Seattle. That was all Thanksgiving. Then Black Friday, games 10 to 6. And the Jets decide against the Dolphins, eh, let's throw a Hail Mary. What's the worst thing that could happen? Knock it down. Hey, what if you catch it? Take the Hail Mary, right? You always, always take the Hail Mary shot. Unless maybe the Dolphins could return it 99 yards for a touchdown. Maybe. Well, that's what happened here. Javon Holland, take over, my friend. Boyle from the gun. Three receivers deployed to the right. Boyle takes the snap, steps up. Boyle buying time. It's going to throw the deep one to the right side. It is intercepted at the one, and Miami is running with it. The run to the near side, and there's still room at the 45, trying to cut it up to the 35, to the 30, working his way to the near side, and this is going to go all the way for the touchdown. It's Holland. Javon Holland takes it the distance. What a turn of events. The Jets are just looking for a Hail Mary, and it goes the other way for the score. Insane. Yeah, that game was 10 to nothing Miami. Then Brandon Eccles, with a minute left and a half, picked off a Tua Tungavailoa pass, took it to the house. It was 10 to 6. They missed the extra point. But they got the ball back, and they got a Hail Mary shot. They handled the end of the half perfectly. Man, if you hit the Hail Mary, you take a 13-10 lead in the half instead. You go down 17 to 6, and eventually the Jets would fall 34 to 13. Dolphins get win number eight on the year. They're eight and three. They lead the AFC East. I mean, that is just a that's about as gut punch at the end of a half as you could have. Unless you're the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars, that was kind of a gut punch, but they at least had the 13-7 lead. That gave the Dolphins a 17-6 lead, which they would turn into a 34 13 win for the Miami Dolphins on the road. All right, let's go to Atlanta taking on New Orleans. 
and one of my favorite players in the league. When he's coming out of the draft, I really wanted the Texans to draft him. They did not. He eventually went to the Bengals, became one of the best safeties in the league, took a lot of money to go to Atlanta. His name is Jesse Bates. And all that money paid off for this pick six for Atlanta. Jamal Williams is in the backfield with Carr. A two-by-two two look here for New Orleans. Rashid in motion. Here's Carr now, wants to throw. Intercepted Jesse Bates. He's got green grass. 40, 50, 40, 30, 20. Stride it out, Jesse. Touchdown, Atlanta. And New Orleans commits their first red zone turnover of the year. Boy, what an incredible read by Falcons safety Jesse Bates. Carr's going to throw this ball quickly to a slant route to his right side. Bates broke on the play at the snap and makes an unbelievable catch out in front of him. And it was all over at that point. He just stepped on the accelerator. Bye-bye. Yeah, I know Jesse Bates had the attention, the full attention of the Houston Texans. And he got the full attention of the Saints with that pick six, 92 yards as the Falcons get the win and move to the top of the NFC South again as Desmond Ritter steps back in. He didn't play well, 13-21 for 168 yards, a touchdown be through two interceptions. But Bajon Robinson, 91 carries for 91 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. Drake London had five catches for 91 yards as the Falcons beat the Saints 24-15. Both teams 5-6. and six. The Falcons now atop the division with that win. And they, threw, they wore the retros. Red helmets, black jerseys. That is one of the smoothest looking jerseys combinations I, I could think of. That, that thing is gorge. Gorge. Uh, actually, I love it. Absolutely love it. What I didn't love was the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and winning. Why? Well, Jonathan Taylor's back healthy. 7.45 to go in the fourth quarter. The Colts lead by three. Minshew goes out of the gun. Ball between the hash marks. Taylor's is back to the right side. Isaiah McKenzie is the slot receiver to the right. Shotgun snap. Gives it to Taylor. And he backpedals his way in. Touchdown! Jonathan Taylor. Two rushing touchdowns today for JT. Colts extend their lead. It's 26-17 to 17 as the confetti flies here at Lucas Oil. That gave the Colts a 10-point lead. Chase McLaughlin field goal would cut it to seven. But the Bucs could get no closer. Colts moved to six and five and into second place. Well, they're tied with the Texans in second place right now, but they would have it because of the tiebreaker because they beat the Texans earlier. But Jonathan Taylor getting it rolling, 16 carries, 91 yards, two tutties. But Michael Pittman Jr. getting rolling, too, 10 catches, 107 yards for the Colts as they pretty much take over this game in the first half and then run it out. The Bucks fall to 4-7 and seven on the season. 27-20, Colts get the win. Ugh. They're, as Mark says, they're just they're lurking. They're lurking. And I don't like it. Well, they're not quite lurking, but they did get a win at home against the Carolina Panthers. That was the Tennessee Titans. But they needed a little help at the end with a big stop on Bryce Young and the Panthers. Ball has been whistled in for play. Here we go. Bryce Young, 17 of 30 for 194 on the day. 
in the shotgun. Hubbard on his right hip. Three receivers to the left. Titans showing pressure. Here they come. Throw it left side. Chark. He's hit. He's dropped. Amadi Hooker got him basically at the line of scrimmage. And ladies and gentlemen, this one is a minute 55 from being over. Yes! Great tackle. Great tackle in the open field. They went to Chark and Hooker sifted his way <laughs> through all of the muck, if you will. Got there, and we talked about it earlier. He is a good tackler. How many times have you used sifted and muck in the same sentence? Not many. Okay, good. Titans win 17 to 10. Offensively impotent on both sides, basically. Other than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, 76 yards on 18 carries, two touchdowns. Need a quarterback. Eh, did much anything. Bryce Young, 18 to 31, 194. Will Levis, 18 to 28, 185. Didn't throw touchdowns. Uh, it was the running game. Chuba Hubbard had a touchdown with Carolina. Henry had the two for Tennessee. As the Titans get win number four, they move to four and seven, and Carolina falls to one and ten. On Monday, Frank Reich was fired. Thomas Brown will take over the offense. Chris Tabor will now be the interim head coach. And Frank, uh, Dave Tepper is at it again. What a mess it is in Carolina, unfortunately. Some good people in that building uh, that we know, scouting side, coaching side, having to go through really a rough, rough season. Things have gotten better for the Denver Broncos, which I absolutely hate. Why? Well, opportunistic defense and a really smart and an offense that is capitalizing on each and every turnover, like Russell Wilson did here to take a 14-0 lead over the Cleveland Browns. Second down and goal from the two. Javante Williams to the right of Russell. Two receivers on each side of the set. He brings Mims in motion. He keeps it again, running to the right side. Wilson leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Denver. Three quarterback keeps on this drive. Wilson from three yards out and with 11-11 left in the first half. That extends the Broncos' lead to 13-0 over the Browns. Are you kidding me? Are we, are we looking at 34-year-old Russell Wilson or 24-year-old Russell Wilson? This is the kind of stuff he did for a long time with Seattle. Paying big dividends here in the first half against the Browns. The Browns got that game to 17-12 and had the ball. Then they tried to run a reverse fumble. Broncos then Scored an Adam Troutman eight-yard touchdown pass from Russell Wilson that was initially ruled incomplete, overturned on the review. Then Lutz hit a field goal. Then Zach Allen tackled P.J. Walker in the end zone. That gave them uh, 14, 16, I'm sorry, 12 fourth-quarter points to run away with that win over the Browns. The Browns fall to 7-4, but the Broncos are 6-5, and five, just like a team you know very well right here in your backyard. And they will meet on Sunday at noon. Broncos v. Texans. Going to be another fun one. Intense. It'll be 60 minutes. Just hang on to your hats because it's going to happen. All right. When we get back, we're going to look back at one of the seminal wins in Texans history. It's the last time the Texans have beaten the Broncos. It happened in 2012. 
We'll look back at that next right here on Texans Matchup. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans Matchup. Appreciate you guys being with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And this week, it's the Denver Broncos. Now, the Texans, there was a while when I, I first got back to Houston in 2007. And for a while, it felt like the Texans had the Broncos number. Uh, we talked to D'Amico Ryans on the coaches show the other day uh, about the fact that in 2007, they wore the all reds with the blue helmets and won on Thursday night. That was one of the more fun football games I can remember going to. I mean, that thing was it was hype. That was incredible. I, that's when I was like, OK, yeah, Texans football. This is this is awesome. Uh, it was a little bit later in the year, but man, it was really, really uh, fun that night. And then they had them for a couple of, you know, they, they kind of got the Broncos a few times. Uh, but lately, it's not been great. Uh, I can't remember a win over the Broncos since I've been on the sidelines. And that's been 16, lost on Monday night. 19, oh, God. Oh, God. 19, 2019 was just the worst. Um, they were down 38-3 to at one point after beating the Patriots the week before. Climbed back in the game, but it was obviously too late. Uh, 2022 lost to the Broncos in Denver. So it's not been good against the Broncos lately. And not only that, we haven't beaten Russell Wilson ever. So the Broncos have three in a row. Russell Wilson has four wins, 13, 17, 21, 22, because he got one with Denver last year. He's undefeated against the Texans. So you have to go all the way back to 2012 when the Texans took on the Broncos in what was billed as, at the time, an AFC championship game preview. Texans were coming off 2011 season when they were really, really good. And the Broncos had added Peyton Manning, so their meeting in week three was going to be a battle. The Broncos kicked it off with a sack of Matt Schaub in the end zone and a Matt Prater field goal to make it five to nothing. But it's then when Hall of Fame semifinalist just named on Tuesday Andre Johnson to go to work. One back Foster. Matt fakes the give, sets up, and he fires deep downfield and has Andre Johnson at the 15, 10, 5, rock and roll, touchdown, Texans. My goodness, 60 yards, and Houston takes the lead. That answer from the Texans gave them a 7-5 lead. They would tack on an Arian Foster touchdown. And then another deep ball from Matt Shaw, but this time to Kevin Walter. Matt fakes the give, plants in the pocket, and he looks long, throwing deep downfield. Kevin Walter has it at the 10, breaks a tackle. He's in the end zone. The Texans go deep again, 52 yards. The deep ball was awesome that day. The 60-yarder to Andre, 52-yarder to Kevin Walter. And the Texans had to put one final nail in a coffin at that point in a Broncos-Texans games game in the early 2010s or 2000, you know, early part of the Texans' lifespan. You throw it to a tight end. Yes, Owen Daniels. Schaub back to throw, passes over the middle, has Daniels at the five, takes out a defender, and takes it into the end zone. Touchdown, Texans. A 14-yard TD pass from Schaub to Owen Daniels, and Matt Schaub on the day has four touchdown passes. 
Here's hoping the Texans can match that performance against the Broncos, a 31-25 win, which announced the 2012 team's arrival with authority in Denver. Now, the game on Sunday is obviously at Energy Stadium, but looking for a similar result. We'll break that down next week, that matchup with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, and a big one on Sunday. We'll see you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans.